Okay, okay, on a Friday, on a very snowy Friday in downtown Erie, welcome into the Critical Eye podcast, wherever you might be listening from, however you might be doing it, welcome inside another episode to end a very, very big week, not just in the NFL for playing days, but in the NFL for controversy as well. I'm Isaac Petcash, as always, Joe Ledesky of the PA Sports Network and Jovan Johnson, our NFL insider, former CFL NFL player, and our Erie Sports Now contributor for the NFL. Guys, um, everyone's staying safe. Snow, snow starting to get to people today. It seems like we've gotten a few inches, and I'll tell you what, the roads driving into work weren't too pretty today. No, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. It's like January in Erie County. I was like, what? It's going to snow? No way. <laughs> it, we, almost, we almost become accustomed to exciting things if they happen for just say a couple of weeks, Jovan. I mean, no snow, nothing on Christmas. And then all of a sudden we get to where we're normally at this point in the year and, and it becomes a big fiasco. I think every year I'm starting to, you know, think if the plate techno- uh, tectonics are shifting, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, at some point it's going to be spring time and no winters in Erie, but you know, as we all have been accustomed to, it's been, snowy every year that we get let down i'm just surprised that you didn't extend your birthday vacation in miami for a few months and just uh <laughs> played the role of snowbird and sat out the winter here i i figured you would go that route but not, uh, we're glad we're glad you came back um speaking of not coming back let's start the show with this guys uh, if anyone's been watching the nfl if you haven't been living under a rock for the last seven days You might have noticed that there's some drama going on between Antonio Brown and his former employer, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know this is not a team in our area, but I think this just speaks volumes about what's going on right now in the NFL. Um, If if you've been watching today, um, Antonio Brown was on the Full Send podcast, which is... Um, I believe it's one of the podcasts. Is, is it on Barstool Sports? What is it, guys? I, I'm not 100% sure. The Full Send Podcast, what is that? Do you guys know? It's not as, no, it's not as good as this it. one. It doesn't have Jovan on it. Clearly. All right. So, so, we, so we've, we've made that apparent. But anyway, Antonio Brown on a podcast today, making a couple of comments um, since his release from the Buccaneers a couple of days ago. This is Greg Amon, who covers the Bucks for The Athletic. Uh, a couple of comments that Brown making today um, really interesting when it comes to his release from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and, and uh, one of them involved Tom Brady and talking about the fact that, you know, he, he believes that in Brown's mind that Antonio Brown is the best. He said, Brady can't do blank by himself, but you guys are going to make it seem like he's just this heroic guy. We're all humans, bro. We're all dependent on somebody else to do this job Brown also making comments today that he was unhappy with his contract uh, claiming that Bruce Arians had told him to get off the sideline in explicit fashion. So guys, I want to begin with this. Um, I know that we talked about a few weeks ago, specifically this argument and, and how many chances NFL players will get and, and who's to blame when it comes to rifts between the general managers and the owners and the coaches and the players. What do we make of this Antonio Brown situation? Um, Because it seems to me like this is a saga, and I've got my opinions on this, but it almost seems to me like this was planned. And I'm not trying to place blame on on anybody specifically, but it seems to me like Antonio Brown knew what he wanted to do. 
He knew that he wasn't happy with what he really wanted. And so he's making a big scene to get out. I mean, what do you guys make of this today as we come on the air? Well, didn't didn't he allegedly tell that toilet licking or toilet seat licking fans only model to, to watch for tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I can't tell whether I should laugh or cry when it comes to Antonio Brown, because the hilarity or the solidarity is is almost overlapping. You know, I don't I mean, a lot of people suggest the Von Tess perfect hit. I, I don't know. But, you know, that this guy has lived a life with the inability to, to turn around because he's burned every bridge behind him. He's got getting he's not going the same way he came. Um, you know, you got to wonder, is is he a, a feel good story or is he a guy that overcame? And what I mean by that is, did he end up at Central Michigan because he was a jackass or did he end up at Central Michigan because that's all the better he was? Well, listen, no, sick- no, nobody ends up at a Mac school because they're a jackass. All right. I, I, uh, I attest for the Mac. Uh, <laughs> I, but what I, I'm I saying is, is, was he a feel good story as a sixth round pick? Or did everybody know that he was an ass? And that's why he was a sixth-round pick. You know, like, when when you spend your entire life being the victim, you're the problem. And, you know, I, I'm just starting to see, Joe Vaughn, where this dude is – I mean, he's got issues. I mean, he loves himself some some A.B., but, you know, to me, you, you mentioned – I know where we're going to go, but – I mean, the guy literally quit. I mean, T.O. did some things. I mean, there's a lot of guys at that position. I don't know. Good hands, you know, great range, long arms, small brain. I don't know. All receivers seem to act this way. But, you know, you look at this guy and, boy, he's got a track record. But he – I don't – I mean, he quit. He quit on the field. Whether it's a team or voters, I don't know how they're just going to ignore that. Yeah, and here's the thing with Antonio Brown. I think a lot of people equate the way he acts to the Bontez perfect hit um, that is giving him, like, issues with CTE. But I think Antonio Brown is a lot more clever than what people give him credit for. I mean, I think his antics are calculated. Um, I think he does things because he knows what the end result is going to be and he's going to get his way. Um, I'm never going to vouch for the guy because I think he does things out of character and, and he's, and he, he's not a high character guy by any means. Um, but in the, in the event that the story, if the story that he's telling, uh, in regards to Bruce Arians trying to force him to go back on the field and, and he told them that he was injured, you know, I've seen that, that saga before of coaches and trainers and, personnel guys trying to get you out there on the field to play injured so that they can release you uh, when it's all said and done. Because if you're, if you're a guy who's injured in the NFL, they can't release you. And when you get back out there on the field, that gives them the right to release you. So for Antonio Brown, I don't know which way to really take how it all transpired, but the story that Antonio Brown is telling is that they that he told Arians that he was hurting his ankle was hurting too bad for him to go back on the field and Arians told him basically he was no longer a buck. Now I don't agree with the way that he went about leaving the field and and you know bringing all the attention on himself because the the reality is you're always going to be labeled by 
the the antics that you show like nobody knows what happened on the sideline nobody knows whether or not it's true or not uh the conversation between him and the coach all everybody knows is that he quit on the team he took all of his equipment off threw it on the sideline or and took off his shirt and gloves and threw them in a stance those aren't those aren't professional characteristics but is he going to get another chance shit josh norman got another chance so, I mean, not Josh Norman, but Josh Gordon got another chance. So I, I don't see why he's not going to end up getting picked up by somebody that feels like he can still help them win games. And you that's what it all boils down. You're right, you're right I, Joe Bowen. When he was wanna, doing wanna, those hold. jumping jacks in the end zone, he didn't look as bouncy as normal. Well, I don't I'll, believe I'll, that. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if I was a security guard, I'd have turned around and tackled them. Though. We, I mean, obviously, there were the rumors about that, that security guards thought that he was a fan, which I guess in some aspects he might have looked like one without a shirt on. But uh, guys, I, you know, Jovan, you bring up an interesting point, and, and I think Jovan, you're right. I think he is going to get another chance in the NFL because I, I do think that AB is smarter than people take him for. If you look at the last two years, and somebody on Twitter a, a few days ago posted a timeline from 2019. It's actually December 2018 up to up to now, so roughly two and a half, three years of the timeline of from when AB threw his temper tantrum on the sideline in Pittsburgh to being released by the Steelers and getting picked up by new England um, accused of sexual assault and then getting released by new England. Of course, all the events that happened with Tampa Bay, but here's the thing that I find interesting. This is why I don't necessarily buy what Brown is saying. If you listen to the demeanor of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers players after the game, Tom Brady in particular, I was a gasp at his response following the game. And we didn't talk about this on Monday because we had a lot of things to talk about. But if you listen to his post-game press conference, Tom Brady, a guy who I think had every right and probably still does have every right to throw Brown under the bus. And as a 44-year-old quarterback to say, listen, this guy is ridiculous. I've built my prowess on being successful and playing with guys who are successful. You know, I this guy's a bum. He gave Brown multiple chances. Brown basically wasted all of them. But the demeanor of Brady after the game was, let's have compassion. Let's show restraint. Let's give him the help that he needs. The onus from Brown was the opposite. And I think what AB is starting to realize, and Jovan, maybe you can attest to this, and I'm not saying every NFL player is like that. When you have the microphone, the second you let it go, you become irrelevant. You look at a guy like Johnny Manziel, who when he came into the NFL with the Browns, he was the biggest talk of the town, right? Big shot, money Manziel, leading the Browns to a Super Bowl or so people thought. The second he lets go of that microphone and Browns release him, that's it. And we don't hear from him again until they he we find out that he's getting checked in um, to a couple of, of help and recovery places to, to help himself. I think this is the same with Brown. And, and I think this story's made up specifically because AB's looking for the attention. And I think he knows that at this point he has the microphone. I mean, listen to all podcasts, listen to us, listen to the people that talk about this on a weekly basis. We're not talking about the big matchups this week or the Steelers or, or the potential playoff, you know, in or out game with LA and Las Vegas, it's Brown. So, I mean, do, do you think guys that this potentially for AB has something to do with the knowledge that, listen, if I don't keep this microphone on, I'm screwed. I can't, I, I can't know, see, I can't see it. I can't, I can't see AB refusing to go on the field unless there was some other reason noted. I mean, they, they it was noted by the the training staff that he didn't practice the beginning of the week 
Um, you know, he, he didn't practice until Friday of game week, which tells, tells me a different story. I think he, he was actually hurt. He was still coming off of an injury. He said that he was looked at by an outside doctor that said he had bone fragments in his ankle that were causing the pain that he was, he was dealing with. Um, you know, there, I guess these things are, are being documented. So if, if he is lying about that, then I think his football career needs to end in, 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 a, in a major way. But if he's telling the truth that, you know, he was in such pain that he couldn't go out there and perform like he really wanted to, because I've been there before, you know, I've been there trying to be the hero for the team where you get hurt and you try to get back out there because your teammates feel like they really need you. I've been there before, but if the, if the pain is overbearing, you can't do it, you know, and then the coach tries to make you get back out there and do it. Like, let's not sit here and, and act like Bruce Arians. I played for the guy. He's not, he's not, he's no, he's no angel by any means. Like he's not, he's not, the face that they put on in the media and also with Tom Brady and the way he reacted and responded at in the press conference after the game, you know, he said, let's get him the help that he needs. Meaning that he, he does feel like Antonio is battling some demons, which I think we all would agree on that. But he also never said anything about, you know, what transpired to lead up to that. Cause that, that would have been, that would have been the missing piece that everybody wants to know. Like what? What actually made him act out of character like that? Or Jovan, made him... do, do you have an idea why Brady didn't address that after the game? Why? Why instead he, he kept to himself and said we need to get him the help? And, and that's, didn't he probably necessarily... didn't. He he probably didn't want to get in. He didn't want to get caught in the middle of of the saga that was going on, you know. And because you know he's he's a team first guy. He doesn't want to be the guy that's spilling the beans as to you know the drama that's about to transpire about the situation. I think that's why he kind of stayed away from it. Any professional athlete that are that uh, that has hit, has attained his amount of success isn't going to get caught up in you know anything going on with Antonio Brown. Don't you think though, Joe Bon AB is is very quickly approaching Kaepernick Tim Tebow status in terms of the distraction exceeds the ability. Like I mean, I don't know. He's a great wide receiver. I think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. But, I mean, again, it's like Kaepernick, like Tebow, especially Tebow. You know, you sign him and, and the circus comes to town, right? Like, I mean, do you really think that if, if it didn't work out with the Bucks and that, you know, self-proclaimed super team, do you really, you really think – I mean, who's going who's gonna to take him? I mean, I would, I would not want to be a head coach preparing for a playoff game, preparing for a season, and all of a sudden, you know, A.B. A.B.'s on the roster, and then you can't have a press conference without it being about A.B. Now, if, you know, maybe, maybe if if you sign A.B. and then all of a sudden your team is on a two-week COVID lockdown, that might be okay. Maybe by that point it would be old. But I just don't, I just don't know. He's great. He, he was great. But is is he now in that Kaepernick Tebow? The distraction exceeds the ability category, and it's unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate, Jovan, because he's a great player. Yeah, I, I would I would think that you know teams are now starting to look at him as being more of a distraction than an asset. So you know, in in, in my case, I, I always look at players and I I think to them as being assets or liabilities. And right now, 
he's the biggest distraction in the room. You know, the media is going to follow him wherever he goes, and it's just going to continue to bring more attention and distractions to your organization. So I, I just don't think nobody's willing to take on the headache. There may be a team that feel like he makes them better that's willing to, to make that sacrifice. You know, and I, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, then again, I've seen crazier things happen in the NFL. We're going to see what happens. Um, I, another piece of this conversation earlier today, and I, I do think that this leads me to believe that AB does still want to play in the NFL in some capacity. Um, during the same podcast, <laughs> Brown revealed that Todd Haley, former Steelers offensive coordinator, former Browns coach, had asked him, Haley just got a new job as one of the head coaches in the new USFL, and called him and said, hey, AB, you want to be part of my team? And AB essentially said, no, I play football at the highest level. Uh, I'm not going to play for a sorry-ass club. So uh, clearly, Brown is not planning on going into any one of the <laughs> alternate leagues <laughs> Uh, didn't, I, I, didn't I they walk away from like potentially a million bucks? Like, didn't I? Didn't I read somewhere this week that his agent was trying to get his contract guaranteed? But you know, I don't. I mean, he maybe he was. I mean, there's there's way more to the story than what we know. But you know, I saw that he had he had three different bonuses that were highly attainable that were each like worth three hundred and thirty three thousand bucks. Did anyone yeah, else I mean, see I, that? I th it, was, it was it was somewhere in the vicinity, I believe, if he, if he made seven or eight more catches, I think he had to play a certain amount of games and then and then something in the yard category. But he was close. I mean, jo Jovan, as we as we wrap this part up, can you put a bow on this? I mean, it, do you think what do you think it is? Is it just simply mental health? Is it simply a, a diva problem? I mean, what's your feeling on this? Let me let me let me throw this out there. Before he walked away from one million, he walked away from eighty million. So nothing that he does surprises me because because when he was in with the Raiders, they signed him to a eighty million dollar deal. All he had to do was play one snap to activate that contract, and he he didn't he didn't play a snap. So he, he left eighty million out there. So the guy's just, I mean, he's a total lost cause when it comes to you know. I don't know who's managing his money or I hope he's doing the right things with the money. But I think at this point, you know, you, you might as well go ahead and sign seal and deliver it and, and, you know, put the bow on it and just tuck it away because I think it, his time in the NFL after the way he acted, um, especially after they won the Super Bowl last year and, and, and all of that jazz, I think his time is pretty much over. We'll see, and we'll see how long this narrative on Brown continues. I mean, this is it's not that we're in week three or four and we're in the dull part of the season where we need a narrative. I mean, we are getting to the very end of the regular season where plenty of playoff spots are still up for grabs, and this has been the story of the week. So will it continue past week 18? We're going to see. Um, but again, just, just a very confusing, I think utterly shocking development that happened on Sunday. Uh, everyone of the Bills press box on Sunday when I was in Buffalo was talking about it. So we'll see what transpires from that. All right, guys, I, what I want to do for the rest of the show, normally we, we preview games and I think it's important that we do, but I, I want to make a little bit of a prediction here. We're going to, we're going to do our playoff predictions and how we do this is, is very simple. We'll start in the AFC and then go to the NFC. And all I want you guys to do is to tell me 
number one, who's in, and then we're going to talk who we think the matchups are going to be. So let's go ahead and start in the AFC guys. And this is where things get really interesting. I want to talk about the wild cards. There are only a few teams right now that are still in contention. Currently, you've got the Patriots, the Colts, the Chargers. So here's my first question to all of you. By the end of Sunday night, which three teams, knowing that the Patriots have clinched, will be in the playoffs? You've got the Colts, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Steelers as really the only teams that are eligible for the wildcard spots. Two of them make it in. Who's going dancing in the postseason by the end of the week? And we're gonna we're gonna play odds maker here, right? I mean, yes. Like, I mean, the Steelers have to be the slimmest, right? Because they need the most to happen. Um, so I, I think I think they're probably out, right? Um, you know, who's then you got to look. I mean, what's the boy? The Jaguars. You gotta. You can't. I. I boy, how can you? How can you not think the Colts are gonna get that W? I mean, I've. I mean, it's a fifteen. I mean, put this in perspective. At the moment right now, the Colts are laying 15 and the over-under is 44. Um, I mean, how do you I, – I mean, I can't see Jacksonville with the win. I've been wrong a lot lately, but I, I, just, I don't see that. And then what – so the winner of the Chargers-Raiders game is winning you're in, right? Correct. So it's got to be the Colts and the Chargers, Right. I, I agree with that. I, I I like Jonathan Taylor and the Colts versus Jacksonville any day of the week. I think Jacksonville steamrolls. I mean, uh, the Colts steamroll Jacksonville this weekend. Um, but I like the Chargers more than I like the Raiders just because the Chargers have more weapons on offense. Uh, and they've been playing, I mean, minus a few games, they've been playing pretty consistent. Herbert has been playing well. But Derek Carr can beat them. I think if, if anybody can beat the Chargers in a game where it's a must-win, I think the, the Raiders could be that team. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I'm going to say the Chargers and the Colts. Guys, I find this incredibly interesting. If, if you are any team in the AFC that's in the playoff picture, I think you're probably rooting for the Chargers on Sunday. I mean, you look at this team, they were a couple of – terrible decision makings by Brandon Staley away from uh, from doubling up and beating Kansas City twice. That's who they would play in round number one. Um, while we're on the topic of the AFC and we'll get to the NFC, you know, no, let's do the NFC. Let's do the NFC next. So the NFC, uh, the playoffs are essentially determined. The only teams that have a chance still to make it in or having clinched it are San Francisco and New Orleans. And, and that will be determined next week. Do you guys have an NFC favorite i think the nfc right now is such a convoluted conference you've got green bay up there the rams up there still having clinched to the division arizona's making a comeback is there a team guys that that stands out to you as the favorite is it green bay the field what do you guys think well i think you know obviously green bay at, at home is a big deal tampa bay is to me is the question mark uh you know they've got a lot going on but then, you know, you look at the teams that have the highest ceilings. I think it's probably the, the two teams that have the biggest question marks, Joe Vaughn, and that would be the Rams and the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys can be a juggernaut or, or not. Um, and then the Rams were the, were the favorite from the beginning. But, you know, Matthew Stafford's not been down this road before. I think, I think it's got to be Green Bay. Uh, they're, better, they're better defensively than, you know, people give them credit for. 
And then the telltale sign, you know, to me is they're the only team in the NFC that is undefeated at home. Actually, they're the only team in the NBA or the NBA. They're the only team in the NFL that's undefeated at home. They get the one seed. Everything goes through Lambeau. You got to like their chances. I like Green Bay and NFC a lot. Uh, although, you know, they're, they might not have the same weapons that the other teams have, like the, the Los Angeles Rams and the Dallas Cowboys and company. But I just think that they're better prepared for the moment. They've been in tough battles all year. They've won tough games. They have a quarterback that's playing out of his mind that's probably going to win MVP. And then you got a receiver that's just doing whatever he wants, and there's nobody that can cover him on planet Earth. So I, I, I expect Green Bay to have the playoffs come through Green Bay, and traveling to Lambeau in the winter months is going to be tough for anybody to beat them. So I like Green Bay. You know, guys, I got a funny feeling that Green Bay is not going to be the team in the NFC. Um, I've seen this movie too many times before, right? Aaron Rodgers leads his team to a wonderful, remarkable regular season, then can't win in the NFC championship. Keep an eye out for Arizona. Uh, I know that this team has struggled as of late. They've lost four of six, but you look at who they're going to have to play in the first round. The first round matchup has pretty much already been decided. It's going to be Dallas and Arizona a rematch from last week. This Cardinal defense is getting healthy. They're going to get J.J. Watt back for the playoffs. We've seen Kyler Murray coming back to form. Who knows if DeAndre Hopkins will play, but if he is, that's a, that's a considerable factor on the offense. And think about this, too. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback more efficient and reliable on third downs this early in his career than Kyler Murray. We saw this last week in the Dallas game. Keep an eye on the Cardinals. They're seven and two on the road this year. They're going to play Dallas in the first round. I'd like Arizona in that game. We'll see. I, I don't know, but I, I think I think and, and the Cardinals still have a chance to win the division too. But I would take uh, Arizona as a team to look out for and potentially my NFC champion um, if I had to pick right now. Although I think it is difficult to pick against Green Bay. All right, guys, let's close the show with this. Let's let's talk a little bit. We're going to do our season debrief next week and playoff preview next week. But I, I just want to talk about um, I, I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns um, just just for a minute here. I know they're not the team that's in the postseason, but it seems to me just based on what I've been reading all week and some of the things that have come out and Baker Mayfield needing needing shoulder surgery and, and going to be getting it after the season. I, I look at this team and I think. What if, what if Baker gets his surgery midseason and guys a couple of weeks to recover and then comes back at 100%? What if this defense turns the corner early? What if the game plan is completely centered around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Is, is this, guys, is this a breaking point for Cleveland? I mean, I mean, I know they haven't played any games since we last talked. I get this. But it seems like the vibe this week has just been give up mentality. And, and, and I understand that, that for this game, it makes sense, but it almost seems like there's a couple of last hurrahs and a final goodbye that were embedded into this week in press conferences. Did you guys get that vibe? And if so, um, if, if you're Cleveland is, is this a potential start of what could be a major change in the off season? I, don't know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, it's lucky Baker Mayfield is a part of the largest fraternity in all of football, that would be uh, former Browns quarter or Browns quarterbacks that a lot of emotional support there as they went after Mary Kay Cabot. Um, I just don't understand. Like, I, I think 
I've said this before. I'll say it again. And, and I just, I don't think there's been enough to, to suspect anything else. You know, Joe Bond, the, the expectation and the, the concept that we were sold on Baker Mayfield is like, you know, going to the corner bar every Friday night and expected, you know, oyster on the half shell, lobster bisque and flame and yawn, but they only got a, a deep fryer and it like, dude, at some point change the expectation. He's not that guy. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And he's never going to be. Absolutely. He's dealing with way too much right now. I think he he's become a, a diva in the room. You know, he's talking about all this other BS that doesn't even pertain to football talking about the media and, and the people that are harassing his wife and all, all his other BS that, that serves no purpose to him going out there and being successful in the field. Now, had he took the surgery earlier in the year and allowed the Browns to run the ball like they've been doing really well and let the backup quarterback go out there and, and carry them for a few games to win. And then he could have came back at prime time and been able to come in and take them to the playoffs and do some great things. I think he would still be looking at a future with the Cleveland Browns. But right now, I don't think that Baker Mayfield is the guy. He's definitely no filet mignon or, or no great dish on the menu. So I think he, they're going to go in a different direction. I think for the Browns going out in this game this weekend, it's a great opportunity to see what you have and be able to start planning for the future. You know, and I guys, I look at this this week for Cleveland. Just just take a look at what's happening across the pond. You've got Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and I understand that both teams are still alive, albeit barely for the playoffs. But you haven't heard from the Ravens. Oh, we need to pack it in. We need to we need to give up. We can't we can't quit. I mean, I listened to John Harbaugh talk at lengths about how this could potentially be the final time that this second installment of the rivalry. It, it is is going to happen. I mean, with Ben potentially retiring, he talked about how it'd be nothing better than to, to send him off with a loss. Of course, the Steelers continuously talking about how they have to win this game again for Ben. I mean, you're not hearing those two teams make any mumbo jumbo about how they want to rest on their loyal laurels and eat filet mignon and asparagus and mashed potatoes and, and sweet corn and whatever. Do the Browns, to you guys seem like they have almost a stubborn syndrome going on with Baker, with Nick Chubb, with this defense. Um, because, because I think we're starting to see the cracks in the armor, right? It's almost what we talked about and what we, what we knew with Pittsburgh a few years ago with Antonio Brown, right? And Le'Veon Bell, there were issues at play that we all knew about that didn't come to fruition until late in the season. I mean, were those chinks in the armor always there, guys, or did it just come to fruition the last couple of weeks when Cleveland knew, all right, we don't really have a shot? I said this from the beginning of the year. I want to know how they handle success. They had a taste of it last year, and I think this is the problem. I think I think they look dysfunctional because I think in their heart of hearts, uh, the Ravens – and I mean, the Ravens were so injury-riddled. They, they knew that they were in trouble – Ben Roethlisberger likes likes himself, but he saw what they were working with. He knew that they they weren't that. The Browns are still. I mean, they still have the best roster in that division, uh, and they've had a lot of issues. And you know, I you know, we talk about handling success. Last year, Joe they were a feel good story. Uh, you know, this year, you know, handle success. Hell, they couldn't handle expectations. Yeah, they couldn't. They they never amounted to what everyone expected them to be 
you know, they have the roster to make a, a push in the playoffs and be really good, but they never reached their potential. I think they're still laying an egg over last year, still thinking about the past instead of building for the future and being ready to go when the season started, when training camp started. You know, they, they had some good games early, and then they just kind of fell apart and went on a losing streak and, you know, never really recovered. I think they do have a really good roster, a talented one at that. But at the quarterback position, which is your prime position to win championships, I just don't think that Baker performed to expectation to get it done. All right. Well, I, I'm, well I'm maybe just... Stefanski should have used Harbaugh's playbook and they would have been fine. Well, I, I don't know. Harbaugh's playbook apparently can work with a backup quarterback, too. Um, that'll be a question going into the offseason, too, guys. I mean, is, is Kevin Stefanski? That's really good. Right. Uh, well, and I'll tell you what, this is going to sound like a terrible, uh, uh, t- terrible take. You know, let's get into that. I, I, let me ask you guys before we pick the games. If Tyler Huntley performs well this Sunday against the Steelers, is there a question mark going into next season with him and Lamar Jackson? Because I seriously think in Baltimore, there is that potential that you might have that conversation. Lamar, too injury prone, can't throw the football. Tyler Huntley has shown that he can be Lamar and have an arm. I mean, is, is that even a consideration for Baltimore next year? Well, I think it is because I think you can have a, a better plan, Joe Vaughn. Uh, I think Huntley is going to be more consistent. And, and maybe, and I've said this for weeks now, his ceiling's not as high as Lamar's, but his floor certainly is higher than Lamar's. Um, I think, you know, in terms of stability, in terms of game planning, you know, Huntley doesn't need to be perfect. Huntley doesn't necessarily need to be dynamic. Huntley just needs to be efficient. And, you know, we talk, we like to take shots and we like to, you know, Baker this, Baker that. We like to take shots at these guys. But I don't, I don't feel that Lamar's feet are ever really held to the fire with how wildly inaccurate he is. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think Huntley, this right now, this is a time for Huntley to build a case for himself. It's a time for him to go out and prove that he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL, whether that is with the Baltimore Ravens or if that's with another team in the NFL. I think that's a good problem for the Ravens to have. The fact that they have two quarterbacks, one that, that is a better passer, one that is a better runner, but both of them give them an opportunity to win with the roster that they have when they get those running backs back from injury. You know, the injury situation that took a toll on the Ravens roster before the season started left people wondering whether they still be a good team or not. And they went out and Lamar Jackson, for his, to, for his case, he went out without his starting three running backs and still won football games. So it, it, you can't say that Lamar can't get it done. Yes, he's injury prone. Yes, he might have dealt. He, he might not deal with being able to throw the ball effectively and efficiently for a long time in games but he's gotten it done. And, and that's one thing about him. He's a winner, but that's a good, a good uh, situation for the Ravens to be in. Guys, I'm not saying they would ever trade him in division, but if I'm Pittsburgh on Sunday, I'm taking notes because if Tyler Huntley can shred up your defense, you talk about a mobile quarterback who with a struggling offensive line could get out of pressure. He's young. He's relatively inexpensive. He's a strong mobile quarterback. And if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm thinking to myself, man, we could get this guy for relatively cheap market on the dollar from a division rival. I'm not saying they're going to do it, 
Baltimore. I'm not saying they would ever trade a quarterback to their biggest rival, but let me tell you, if I'm Pittsburgh and he plays well against you next week, I'm seriously considering my options for next season. All right, let's let's pick the games. We're not picking the Browns. Uh, Jovan, we, we made you pick the Browns for the NFL end zone Sunday show. I don't even really know who I picked. I don't really care. Let's go to the Steelers Ravens. Um, I, playoff implications, maybe. I, I think to me, Pittsburgh is too flamed out. I mean, I, I picked them to win the game only because I don't think Lamar, Je- I don't think Tyler Huntley is going to be able to have market success against Pittsburgh defense. But where do you guys see this game? Um, is it that competitive and, and how does it play out? I do think that this is the uh, the win one for the Gipper. I, I think this is the the game that that gives the you know the the grand send off. It would it would be very ironic to to have one last raw with, with Baltimore, uh, you know, Cleveland, Baltimore to finish up. That would be spectacular. Um, you know, Cincinnati's not really been a factor. I mean, the the show's over. It's time to roll the credits. But I do think. Now, the Ravens are not very good. What, what, what the over-under in that game is like 12, and I'm not exaggerating. It is incredibly low. Uh, not So it's not going to take – yes, yeah, 41. So it's not going to take a pile of offense to get this thing done. I am going to take the Steelers, but I think that's probably more of a – I don't know, a, a, a sentimental pick for, for Big Ben one last time on the way out. Uh, I, can't, I can't say that I agree with taking the Steelers in this game. But I do agree with it being a low-scoring affair. But I just think that uh, Huntley brings a different dynamic to the game against the Steelers' defense. The ability to avoid the rush and get out and run and still be able to make throws down the field, I think that gives the Ravens a better chance. I think that the Steelers' defense played inspired for Ben at home. But, you know, I think the Ravens just get it done in a close one. Unless the Ravens have some guys out, a lot of guys out on defense, I just don't see the Steelers beating them. How about, how about this storyline, guys? What if the Steelers win on Sunday? If I were to tell you guys before the season that Pittsburgh would sweep Baltimore, sweep Cleveland, and miss the playoffs, <laughs> what a what an exaggeration. Uh, you, you guys would have nailed my head to the post. All right, we got a minute left here. Do we all agree Bills take care of business against the Jets, or are there any objections? Uh, do they need to win this game? To, to win the division, they would. New England can win, and a Bills loss, and they win the division. Uh, well then, I mean, they, I think the Bills win. Any, I just didn't know how how long they go. Uh, you know, obviously this should be a sleepwalk, but ironically, the Jets have actually played a little bit better as of late. They have, and they've won two of three. Jovan, Bills, Jets. I, I I like the Bills. I just don't. I just don't think the Jets roster can can really keep up with the Bills' high powered offense. But I mean, again, the Jets have been pretty good lately. So with the Jets, anything can happen. But I just don't think that they can beat the Bills in a four-quarter football game. We will see. Playoff reaction will be tomorrow, and we'll also have a Monday show as well as we get set for the playoffs. Crinkle Live podcast coming back with you after the weekend. Enjoy Week 18, everyone.